Thank you for joining us once again for Kingdom Rock Radio. Now here's a sample of today's broadcast. People are not just forgiven when they ask God for forgiveness. They're already forgiven. The work has already been done. Now they have to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the rich word of God. Luke 19. And uh, I'm going to read verses 1 through 10. Now we've been here for quite a while. We've been here for quite a while, uh, at least for the last month or so, in these 10 verses. And uh, we're going to continue in this. Now remember, it's important for us to understand that this box, this building, uh, we're meeting here so that we can be empowered to serve out there. We meet here so that we can be empowered so that we can serve out there. Yes, people are saved in this box. Yes, people come to the altar and they are saved at the box. But far more salvations should be occurring out there y'all not talking to me God has anointed us and called us all to be ministers all to be preachers he told us to go into all the world and preach the gospel he wasn't just talking to the disciples he was talking to everyone that would believe in him hallelujah and I'm telling you, the Lord Jesus even declared that the fields are ripe right now with harvest. Right now, there are people that are ready to give their lives to Jesus. Now, yes, once every once in a while, you're going to come upon uh, uh, someone that is of another religion or someone that is an atheist, someone that says, I don't want to hear about Jesus. Well, then all that all they are actually saying to you is that I'm not ripe yet. I'm not ripe yet. I'm not right. But there are far more that are ripe and that they are ready for the picking. There are far more right now that know that they need a savior. There are far more now that know that they're heading to, they're heading to a bad place. There are far more now that need a change. And we're the ones that are meant to carry the gospel to them. So here we go again. Let me tell you this again. You come here to be empowered to serve out there. I can recall many times, i just give you one, one, one testimony that really comes to mind right now. My wife and I were working at a company in uh, downtown Atlanta. There was a, a young lady there, I think her name was Jill, and uh, she was going through some things, and uh, we, it was raining that day, I remember that, because we all ran out to the car, and we, we said we'd pray with her, and she gave her life to the Lord, right, I think, in the back seat of our car. Praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't that wonderful? There was no microphone. There was no sound system. There was no PowerPoint. There was no Hammond B3 organ. I did not go, hmm, oh, no. We just talked to her and shared our testimony and told her what Jesus is, or rather who Jesus is, and led her to the Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Amen. Hallelujah. But so we need to break out of this mentality, hear me, we need to break out of this mentality, break out of this church-centered mentality. 
A church-centered mentality is, let me invite people so they come to my church and my church will grow big and we'll have a lot of folk. No. This is, there is nothing that says church in this name. Although we are a church, we are a fellowship. Are you with me? No. Kingdom. We are assigned to build up the kingdom of God. Now, if we are a church-centered mentality, we will pull people that are members in other churches to come to our church because, after all, we care more about our church growing and less about your church growing. So we'll invite you. You come. You come, and maybe you like to be a part of our church. I know you're part over there, but you come, and, and you build up our church. All we're doing is floating people from one to the other, and the kingdom of God is not affected. In order for us to build up the kingdom of God, the unsaved have to get saved. I thank God you're clapping, but that means we got to get to work. We can't sit around in our dusty rusties and expect all these great things to happen. You got to get out and tell somebody about Jesus. You got to pray, Lord, 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 Jesus, place somebody in my path today. Uh, give me an opportunity to witness today. And he will do. There are so many folk out there that are not saved. He'll do it. He will do it. If you make yourself available to him, I pray you hear what I'm talking about. Because we have a divine assignment from God. Heaven is counting on you. You're the ones who hold the truth of God. You must share it. You must share the truth of God. Are you with me? So today, let me empower you even more so by giving you the gospel of Jesus Christ. Why are we doing this? Why are we teaching you? You are taught so that you can teach others. You are fed so that you can feed others. You are comforted so that you may comfort others. Are you with me? It has to flow. It has to flow. Turn to your name and tell them it's got to flow. It's got to flow. It's got to flow. If you won't mow, it's got to flow. Let me say that again. If you won't mow, it's got to, it's got to flow. That, that not only occurs, of course, uh, to the preaching of the gospel, but also uh, there in giving in tithes and offerings. If you want more, it's got to, it's got to flow. If you want more, it's got to flow. Praise the Lord. That doesn't work too well when you say it correctly. If you want more. It doesn't work that way. But it works with mo. Mo and flow work together. One of those urban poets there. All right. But today, let's speak from the subject of I'm saved by grace. Say with me, I am saved by grace. Okay, that's got to sit in your heart. You've got to know that to be true. You're not saved by works. You're saved by grace. All right, we're going to talk about that today. All right, so here we go into the book of Luke, Luke 19. Are y'all ready to learn? Are you ready to be equipped? See, you can take them to the scripture and show them what Jesus Christ has done for them. It is your job to plant the seed, to water the seed. God will give the increase. Are you hearing me? You, I don't want any of you to go out here and, and say, well, I talked to five people this week and I couldn't lead anybody to the Lord. That's God's job to give you the increase. He reveals who Jesus is. You make yourself available. God will reveal who Jesus is. You make yourself available. One more time. God will reveal who Jesus is. You make yourself available. God needs your availability more than he needs your ability. 
Let me say that again. God needs your availability more than he needs your ability. He said, well, pastor, I don't know the word. I don't know the word. I don't know what to say. He needs more of you just being there. Let him use your mouth. He'll fill it with what to say. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? Let God use your mouth. He will fill it with what to say. He knows their heart more than you do. How, how will you know the people's heart? How will you know what they're going through? You have no clue. None whatsoever. But he does. And if you allow him to, he will fill you what to say to him. He'll give you words of knowledge. He'll give you prophetic utterances. He'll give you different insights and wisdom to give to them. Something that may be so profound to them, maybe just so elementary to you. God knows how to use you if you will let him. Are you with me? If it's to be, it's up to you. If it's to be, there's a saying that says, if it is to be, it's up to me. If it is to be, it's up to me. Yeah, let's say that. If it is to be, it's up to, it's up to me. You got to let God use you. There are too many hurting people out there. Too many people that are dying and going to hell every day. And they don't have to. The blood has already been shed. The blood of Jesus has already been shed. People are already, actually, they're already forgiven. They just have to receive forgiveness. Every time someone gives their life to the Lord Jesus, the Lord doesn't get back on the cross and hang again and, and die again all over again. No, the work has been done once. For the whole world. His blood covers the world. People die and go to hell because they haven't received what God has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you, everybody? So this is the good news of the gospel. That they've already been forgiven. You have to go and tell them that. The work has already been done by Jesus Christ. The blood has already been shed. The lamb has already been slain. Jesus has already died and been uh, resurrected the third day. These things have already happened. God's not looking at you with, uh, with uh, he's not pointing a finger of wrath towards you, but his arms are open wide, ready to receive them. That's the good news of the gospel. Are you hearing me? Amen. They've already been forgiven. Junebug, you've already been forgiven. You have to receive forgiveness. Amen. Hallelujah. Rutabaga, you've already been forgiven. You have to receive forgiveness. Receive the forgiver. Say yes to God. Yes. So why do people go to hell, Pastor? They go to hell because they reject what God has already done. They reject what God has already provided. They reject the blood of Jesus. They reject his finished work upon the cross. They say no. And when you reject life, death is the only alternative. Remember, the Bible declares that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The way was already made while we were still sinning, while we're still doing that thing. God already made a way. So this is what you're going to tell them. God has already made a way to have your life turned around. He's already made a way for you to have a clean slate. He's already forgiven you. You just have to receive it. Let him come into your life and he'll change it. We're going to look at this today even more so in Luke 19, verses 1 through 10. So today you're being equipped to go forth. Every time you come to church, understand that you're being equipped to go forth. Say with me, I'm being equipped to go forth. All right. All right. Verse 1 of Luke, or rather, yeah, of Luke 19, it says, And Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. And behold, there was a, a man named Zacchaeus which was a chief among the publicans, and he was rich. And he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not for the press because he was little of stature. Let me stop right there for a second. We didn't cover this before. 
Here is a rich man. He has influence. He has prestige. But yet and still, there's a hole in his heart. He's seeking for Jesus. Those that you think are doing well and good, they got all the money, this and that and the other, they still need the Lord. This man was filthy rich, and we think that if I got money, I'll be happy. No. Regardless of what you have, they still need the Lord. Doesn't matter if they drive up in a BMW, Mercedes, or a Jaguar. They need Christ. They need Christ. There was a hole in Zacchaeus' heart. There was a hole in him. And he was seeking after Jesus for deliverance. Are you with me? So don't be fooled by outward expressions, by outward appearances. There are people that come all the time, and I talked to one lady on uh, just a couple of days ago. She was just a smiling with a big smile, but the Lord showed me this lady's depressed. And I began to tell her, I see you smiling, but I see you depressed. And she, yes. She admitted, yes, I'm smiling, but there's something wrong. She needed a word from God. Where's she going to get it? If we reject them because of, well, you like you got all the money. You get, look like you got everything together. You're, you're smiling and you got all that stuff you, you don't need to hear. What do you mean you don't need to hear? You don't know what they need to hear. Are you hearing? Make yourself available for God to use you. Don't have a church mentality. Have a kingdom mentality. Lord, I'm going forth today. Use me to expand the kingdom of God. Use me to expand your kingdom. Because these are the end times. These are the last days. I'm telling you now. And you're on this earth at this time for a reason. You're on this earth and you are the age you are. You are the gender you are. The ethnic group you are for a reason. There's somebody that God has tailor made you for uh, so that they, they will hear your voice because of how you look, because of how you're dressed, but because of, uh, of, of your appearance, because of your background. They will hear you. You were specifically tailored. Your outward expression, your exterior was specifically tailored so that they will hear you. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? You say, well, I'm not a preacher. I don't have a collar. So what? Let God use you. Y'all sit with me today. I thank God that you are. All right. So this man, Zacchaeus, he was rich, rich, rich. Looked like he had it all together on the outside. This man, verse 3, he sought to see Jesus, who he was, and could not, um, and could not for the press because he was little in little of stature. He was short. Look at verse 4. And he ran before and climbed up a sycamore tree to see him, for he was to pass that way. Look at how tenaciously he was seeking after Jesus. This was not casually. He really wanted to see Jesus. Really wanted to see Jesus. This was hidden from the crowd, but in his heart, he really wanted Christ. He really wanted Christ. He really needed a change. He really needed an answer. But on the outside, it seems that everything was going well with him. Look at verse 5. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must abide at thy house. And he made haste and came down and, and received him. And received him how? How did he receive him? He received him Joyfully, This is the first point we want to really consider here as we go uh, through this scripture today for the short time that we have. 
The first thing is, of course, Zacchaeus received the word. He received Jesus is the word of God, right? He received the word of God with joy. He received the word joyfully. And the presence of the, and presence of the Lord dwelled with him. Jesus goes into his house. Now, here again, we start off by saying that we are not saved by works. We're saved by grace. Zacchaeus was a sinful man. And uh, the people testify that. They say that Jesus has gone in to be with a sinner. The community knew that Zacchaeus was a sinner. They knew it. Why? But why did Jesus go into his house if he was a sinner? If he was unworthy? Because the Bible says in verse number 10 that he came to seek and save that which was lost. Jesus did not go into Zacchaeus' house because he'd done everything well. Because he'd done everything right. We need to pull down this sacred cow today unless we, unless, if we don't do anything else. Jesus did not come to Zacchaeus' house because he did everything right. He did not come to Zacchaeus' house because, uh, because he was righteous already. Because he wasn't. He came to Zacchaeus' house because he loved Zacchaeus. And Zacchaeus was seeking for him. Praise the Lord. Zacchaeus was seeking for him. All right. Now, again, verse 6. He made haste and he came down. Zacchaeus received the word. He received God joyfully. And the presence of the Lord dwelt with him. Jesus went into his house. Verse 7. And when they saw it, those that were standing by, the religious that were standing by, they all murmured saying, he is gone rather uh, saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. That's what the world looks like. Here again, the religious will reject you because of what you've done. But Jesus was not like that. Now, I want you to see something as we go through these, as we're in this series uh, entitled The Life of Jesus. I want you to see something. Matthew 16, 18 says this. Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build what church? What church? Whose church? That's right. Jesus' church. The Lord said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, there is a, the church of Christ, Jesus Christ, and there is a church of man. All right? In order for us to determine if a church is of God or not, or if a preacher, if, if there's a false preacher or someone that's really serving God, we look at them by the example of Jesus. Are you with me? Jesus is the king. He is the chief pastor, if you will, the chief bishop of the church. He's the shepherd and bishop of our souls, the Bible declares in the book of Hebrews, I believe. So we have to see, in order for us really to know, to learn how to do church, to be a church, to be a body, we take it from his example. Now, Pastor Jesus, if you will, Pastor Jesus received the sinner. Pastor Jesus went in and had dinner with the sinner. Pastor Jesus did. Now, let me give you an example of a false, of a, a false preacher or one that is not standing on the work of Jesus Christ. Uh, there was a church, of course, I will not name this, and this is a true story unless someone else fibbed. There was a church, um, and they passed around a um, petition um, um, around the church leadership uh, regarding uh, homosexuals and, and lesbians. And uh, they wanted to know how the leadership stood 
on homosexuals and lesbians. Well, one of the leaders, one of the key leaders said, uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll receive them into the church regardless of who they are or what they've done. That's the heart of Jesus. But the majority of the church leaders said, no, if we take that stand, then they'll come and I don't want them in our church. Did you see the heart of man in the heart of Jesus? Heart of man says, I don't want you to come because you don't meet my religious standards. Jesus says, come as you are. He says, come as you are. Regardless of background, regardless of affiliation, regardless of past deeds done, he says, come. Because how else is he going to change us? How else are we going to be changed except we get into his presence? And if the church rejects the world, where would the world go? If the church rejects the ungodly, where would they go? So see the heart of man and see the heart of Christ. Jesus goes into Zacchaeus, not because he was right, not because he had done good or done well. He goes into Zacchaeus because he loves him. He goes into his house because he loves him. And there's a change that's going to happen. So we don't reject people based on what we see. Are you hearing me? Do not reject them because if you reject them, that's not the heart of Christ. There's another case in the Lord's life, and we maybe want to get there. The lady that was caught in the uh, caught in the act of adultery. You remember that? The religious said Moses's law says that she ought to die. They picked up rocks. They picked up stones. They were going to kill her. They're going to beat her to death. They were going to kill her with rocks. Wouldn't that be awful? Anybody ever gotten? hit with a rock before or hit with a baseball you know you're playing baseball Pow. think about that that hurts and they intended to kill her so they weren't going to pick up these little bitty rocks like that they picked up these huge rocks and they had their hands backed they had their hands cocked back the arm cocked back getting ready to throw it and kill her not throwing to play with her they were trying to kill her so they brought these men brought this woman to Jesus that was caught in the midst caught in the act of adultery they said Moses law says she must die she must die because of what she has done she must die because of what she has done that's the law but what do you say Jesus what did Jesus do he he kneeled down, kneeled down on the ground, and he began to write in the sand. And they kept on. What do you say, Jesus? She should die because of what she's done. She should die, or she should be rejected because of what she, should, she has done. She should be despised because of what she has done. She should be shamed over what she has done. She, has, she should be judged guilty and punished for what she has done. Heart of man. What did Jesus do? He finally got up and said, uh-huh. Let those of you that who, let those of you who are without sin, you too. Let those of you that are without sin cast the first stone. If you are so righteous, so holy, cast the first stone at it. 
And he got back down on the ground and started writing again. Well, one by one, they began to drop their stones because they knew that they weren't right. Now, listen, look, look at this, and we're going to see this all throughout Scripture. Those that think that they are religious in themselves will condemn others that are not like them. Those who think that they are right in their own sight, right in your own sight, if you think you're right in your own sight, you're going to stand in judgment over other people. But those who know that they are not right in themselves, those who cry out for the mercy and love of Jesus Christ, those that crowd for the shed blood of Jesus, those that are depending on Jesus for salvation, won't judge, but simply help you up. And that's what people need. A man that is in the ditch. Let's say he's going over. I heard this example recently. A man that is in a ditch. Let's say he's going down the road and he, his car falls over. You know, he runs off the road and his car is in a ditch. He does not need you to go and tell him, your car's in a ditch, you, you no driver. Your car's in a ditch. Your car is in a ditch. And you're never going to get out of there. He doesn't need that. Just like if someone goes and tells somebody else, you're going to hell. You're going to hell. They already know that. You're, you this, you that. They already know that. Why are you telling them that? No, they need somebody with a tow truck who's going to come over and help them out of that situation. Beep, beep, beep. And help them get out of there. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel of Jesus Christ is not condemning, judgmental. No, God paid a very expensive price to do this, to open his arms wide for all of us. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? So to go back to that account, the Lord, everybody dropped their stones and, and Jesus finally stood up and the people went away one by one. And the Lord Jesus asked the lady, well, lady, where are your accusers? Woman, has nobody accused you? And she looked around and said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Look at that. He said, neither do I condemn you. The one that could condemn would not. The one who had no sin that could have picked it up and threw it at her didn't. But the ones that had sin wanted to do it. Something's wrong with that. So we follow the pattern of the king. Follow the pattern of the king. Don't ever let the devil get you in the place where you begin to judge others and you look down on them. Hmm. Hmm. Whether they're lying, cheating, stealing, gambling, fornicating, drinking, snorting, shooting, rooting, tooting, pooting, whatever it is. Don't let the enemy get you all hemmed up in what they are doing. It's not about what they're doing. The man knows he's in the ditch. Your part is to help him get out the ditch. Give him the good news of the gospel. You don't have to stay in that ditch, man. I got a tow truck here called the gospel of Jesus Christ. You want to be saved? You want to be delivered from the ditch? Uh-huh, uh-huh. Well, grab, let me have your hand. Are you with me? We'll get you out of this thing. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is what Jesus went around doing all over the place. Jesus told the lady, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said, I don't condemn you. Now, 
don't sin. Now, l- listen to that, and then we're going to go further. He said, I don't condemn you, so don't sin. I don't condemn you, so don't sin. One more time. I don't condemn you, or I'm not judging you, so don't sin. That's the heart of the king. He gives the gift first of no condemnation. And then he tells you, don't sin. Here's the heart of man. Man says, if you don't sin, then I won't condemn you. Did you get a hold of that? If you don't do wrong, then I won't judge you. But if you do wrong, where's my rock? See the heart of man and the heart of God. Once again, man says, if you, long as you don't do anything wrong, I'm not going to kill you. I'm not going to stone you. I'm not going to judge you. Long as you keep on flying straight, flying right, you don't have to worry about nothing. But Jesus says, look, I'm not going to condemn you. So don't sin. Isn't that something? All right. So here we are back in Luke 19. The Lord Jesus tells Zacchaeus, come on down, make haste. Today I'm going to be with you. Today I'm, I'm going to stay at your house. We're going to have some, something to eat at your house. I want to dwell with you at your house. Well, the religious say in verse number seven, it says, and when they saw it, they all murmured saying that he was gone to be guest with a man that is a sinner. They were rebuking God. Shame on you, Jesus. You know that you're not supposed to be with people that are sinning. Shame on you, God. You know you're not supposed to go around somebody who's drinking it, who's snorting it, who's shooting it, who's sleeping with this and sleeping with that. Shame on you, Jesus. But here again, if Jesus did not go, how would they change? How would they change? If the religious didn't want to be with them, those preachers didn't want to help Zacchaeus, how would he ever receive help? Here again, see the pattern of Christ. See the mind of Christ. The heart of Christ is for the lost. Okay? All right. So, so, so they, they just murmured against Jesus. Verse number 8 says, And Zacchaeus stood. Now here, so we see here, and uh, between, verse him, between him coming down out the tree and, and Jesus going into his house, of course they had dinner here, and the Bible says in verse 8 that Zacchaeus stood. So in order for him to, to stand, you know, he must have been sitting or reclining as they were eating, right? So, I mean, he's going to be a guest. So I'm sure Zacchaeus had some food set aside. And uh, he and the Lord, now he's a rich man, so he was not expecting Jesus, but I'm sure he could snap his finger. Servants, servants, Jesus is here. Let's get something to eat here. Uh, get some, get some filet mignon, you know, whatever, whatever we're going to eat today. And caviar, bring out the best for Jesus. Bring out the best for Jesus. And I'm sure they're sitting there, and I'm sure some other people came in with them as well. Everybody wanted to be with Jesus for one reason or another. So probably at the conclusion of the meal, after Zacchaeus has spent time with the Lord. Now, notice what it says in verse number two. He says, and behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. Rather, look at verse 3. It says, and he sought to see Jesus, who he was. That was Zacchaeus' heart. He wanted to see Jesus. He wanted to know who he was. And now the man that he wanted to see, the man that he wanted to know, 
was now sitting in his house. You think Jesus is just sitting there quietly, uh, twiddling his thumbs? No, I believe that he's preaching the gospel to Zacchaeus. So Zacchaeus receives the word of God. And the presence of God is literally, God himself is literally in Zacchaeus' house. What more could we ask? That God himself would be in our house. <laughs> what more could we ask that God himself would call our name and say, come to me quickly? What more could you ask? What more could you ask? But who's asking? Who's, who's the Lord favoring here? A sinner. Not one that always dotted every I and crossed every T and never did anything wrong. But the man that was doing wrong and probably did wrong that day. Everybody in town, you know you're bad when everybody in town call you a sinner. Think about that. You're in Walmart. You're walking by. Hmm, there he is. Sinner. Hmm. Think about that. The whole community says Jesus is going to be with a man that is a sinner. Awful, isn't it? When people just call you these things, they don't know you. They don't know what's going on in your heart. All they know is what you've done. See the heart of man and the heart of God. We're almost done. Are you with me today? So Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Which brings us to our next point here. Here's the order of the kingdom. Here is the order of the kingdom. Believe first, then there's works. Believing comes first, and then there's works. Here is the mind of man. All right, let me say it this way. Believing comes first, then works. You know, after you believe, there's salvation. You believe and you receive Christ, there's salvation. And then we work. We do work out or give or whatever we do for the Lord comes out of a heart of gratitude and a heart of love. Right? The mind of man says, in order for me to be saved, I've got to do works. And then I'll get to salvation. Understand that. That's why people say, well, I can't go to church because I haven't done this or because I'm still doing that. They believe that work comes first and then salvation. There are many religions that say I got knock on these many doors. Then after I've done enough, then I get salvation. There are many that say, even in the church, how they will mix up grace and law. Grace and law. They'll come to the altar and they give their lives to Jesus like this man is here. They give their lives to Jesus at the altar and receive the finished work of Christ. And then they will go out of the place thinking I've got to get my life right I've got to get my life together I've got to stop doing this now I'm saved I've got to stop doing that now because I'm saved what just happened you've left grace to go back under law you've left grace to go back under law if you could have gotten your life together it would be together by now but the purpose of the law was to show you that you needed a savior. You can't live up to the standards 
of man, let alone the standards of God. You need Jesus. Let me show you some scripture here. If we go, or if you can just go here with me, or you can um, read along, or just make a note of the scripture as we're in our closing, closing time here together. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. Let me read that to you. You can turn to it or make note of it. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verses 9 and 10. And it says, Who hath saved us, talking about Jesus, and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Listen to that. We were saved not according to our works, but according to his grace. Now, you believe in Jesus, you receive him, God reckons you right. You believe in Jesus, you receive him, God says righteous. So we are saved not because of the good things we have done or not because of the bad things we've done. But we're saved because of what Jesus has done. Anytime you make salvation about you, you have left grace and you're back under law. And by the deeds of the law, no flesh is going to be saved. Are you hearing me? All right. Ephesians, the second chapter. You can make a note of this. Ephesians, second chapter, verse number eight and nine. It says, for by grace ye are saved through faith, through faith. And that, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, least, rather, it is the gift of God, not of works, least any man should boast. Salvation is a gift. Righteousness is a gift. Being in right standing with God is a gift. You can't work enough to earn it. You can't do enough good to earn it. How much good can you do over your lifetime to earn eternal life? Let's say you, were, you lived 100 years and you did good stuff from your birth until your death. That 100 years, does 100 years of good, can that pay the price for an eternity? Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We can't do what we can't manufacture enough good to be right in the sight of God. We can't do enough good. The price is too high. So the Lord said, I'll pay it for you and I'll give you what you wanted. The price is too high. He paid it for us and, he's, and has uh, given it to us through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So once again, it says in uh, uh, Ephesians, the second chapter, verse eight, and nine, it says, for by grace, Ye are saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now listen to Romans 5. Romans 5, verse 17, 18, and 19. Then we may conclude here today. Verse 17 says, For by one man's offense, death reigned by one, much more they which receive abundance of grace, and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. It says by one man's offense. Because of what Adam did, this world is in a mess. Can somebody say amen about that? 
by his offense, death came upon everybody. Whether you want to die or not, unless Lord Jesus comes, you're going to die. Because of what Adam did, death has come. It's on you. Whether you, you don't, you don't, you're not born and the doctor asks you a question whether you want death or not. You get it whether you want to or not. Right? By one man's offense, by Adam's offense, death reigned by one. Much more, they which receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Now, I told you the work on the cross is finished. Jesus on the cross declared, it is finished. It's done. The blood has been shed. I've given, the Lord said, uh, in some of the words, I've given my life. There's a crown of thorns. There's a nail. The nails were in his wrists and in his feet. It's done. It's done. The work is finished. He went down into the lower parts of the earth. He was raised again on the third day for our justification. The work is finished and he sat down at the right hand of the father symbolizing that's it. The work of salvation is complete for everyone. Everyone. People are not just forgiven when they ask God for forgiveness. They're already forgiven. The work has already been done. Now they have to receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness. And through that, they will reign in life, not reign in death. They will reign in life. They will pass from death unto life. The Lord said this day, I place before you life and death. Choose life that you may live. Again, the only reason people are going to hell or experiencing hell on earth is because they have rejected life. They've rejected the gift of God. Verse 18 says, therefore, as by one Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift which came upon all men unto justification of life. Look at that. The free gift came upon all men. Everybody. That's why the Bible declares in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. He wasn't talking about the planet. I'm sure he cares about the planet. But he's talking about the people on the planet. What people? The people who just lived during Jesus' time? No. All people of all time. Are you with me? That cross forward. Everyone that would hear the gospel and receive it. He so loved the world. That he gave his son. He loved everybody. He, he loved everybody. And even those that were before, uh, before the sacrifice of Jesus Christ believed in what God would do. And we'll see, show, I may have to do, give that to you next time. But they believed in what God would do because God made a promise to Abraham that I'm going to save the whole human race through a seed that I'm going to put into you. And that seed went up through, through the lineage. And of course, that seed is Jesus Christ. All right, let's look at verse 19, Romans 5, verse 19. And it says, For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. Now, why doesn't it say all? Because Jesus was walking the earth and he was not made a sinner. That is, he was not born a sinner. Are you with me? He took upon sin for us. Are you with me? It says, for as by one man's offense, many were made sinners. 
so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. Now, why does it say shall all be made righteous? Because all won't receive the gift. You are all forgiven. All forgiven, but you're only made righteous when you believe in Christ. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? We're only made righteous when we believe in Christ. Now, let me show you this promise, and then we're really, really going to stop here. Go to Romans, the fourth chapter. I want you to see this. This is the promise that Abraham believed in, and, and many before him believed in. David began to, uh, he penned, penned these words as God revealed it to him. This is actually coming from Psalms. He's quoting uh, from Psalms, but let's look at uh, Romans, the fourth chapter. Let's look at uh, verse 5, Romans 4, verse 5. When you get that, I want you to say amen. amen. All right, let's back, back up to verse 4, Romans 4, 4. Here again, this is something that you can share with others. This is why you're taking notes in church. This is why you're taking notes. Not just so you can look spiritual and uh, egg-headish, but so that you can show them this is what the Bible says. Because you're going to have to talk to them. Those that God will put in your path. This is what the word of God says. You're listening so that you can hear and get this word in you. You get a CD, a free CD, so that you can hear it again if you have to. And get that word in you so that you can speak it again to someone else. You're hearing so that you can speak it again to someone else. All right. This is in Romans 4, Romans 4, verse 4. It says, now to him that worketh uh, is the reward not reckoned of grace, but of debt. He said, if you go to a job and, and if you work all week, uh, the, the boss doesn't say, here's your grace paycheck. No, you work for that. You work 40 hours, the company is now indebted to pay you. God said, that's not, gonna, that's not how I'm going to work the salvation of man out. Because you won't be able to do enough work to earn salvation. Salvation is not of works, but is of grace by faith in Jesus Christ. Now look at verse 5. But to him that worketh not, that's us, say that's me. To him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, his faith is counted for righteousness because you have faith in Christ Jesus, because you receive him. God said he counts you as righteous. He counts you as righteous. Say, I'm counted righteous in the sight of God because of my faith in Jesus. Not because of the good things I do. And listen, and even the bad things you do after your conversion cannot taint what Jesus Christ has done. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Look at verse number six. Even as David also described the blessedness of the man. He's talking about you now. The blessedness of the saved man or woman. It says, unto whom God imputed righteousness without works. Unto whom God counts you right in his sight without you doing, without you being obedient to the law. Remember, Zacchaeus was counted right by God. The Lord said, today salvation has come to your house. 
Not because Zacchaeus had done a whole lot of stuff, but because he believed in Christ. Zacchaeus believed so much that he was willing to give. And he said in front of Jesus, in front of everybody, I'm going to give half my stuff away. You don't just give half your stuff away to impress somebody. He said, and, and if I took advantage of anybody and robbed them, I will pay them back four times what four times what I've uh, taken from them. What if what if he owed them? What if he took a thousand dollars from them? Now he's got to pay four thousand dollars back. And that's actually the word too. Zacchaeus was actually doing the word because it's written there in the book of Leviticus. If you rob, if you deceitfully take something, give back fourfold. So he wasn't just pulling that out of the air. That was actually the word of God. So what he was actually doing is saying, Lord, I'm going to bless you with my finances. And I'm also going to obey your word. But that's something else entirely. We have to get to that next time. Verse 7 says, this is what the, the blessed person says here. Saying, blessed are they whose iniquities are forgiven and whose sins are covered. You're blessed. Dave was looking forward to that day. He's seeing our day. Abraham saw the Lord Jesus day and was excited about it. He saw us being a people whom God would take the blood of his son and cover us so that he would no longer see our sins ever, ever again. Blessed is the man who when God looks at him, bless the woman who when God looks at them, he no longer sees their sins, period. Not just the sins they confess, but the sins of their life, period. Because they've already been forgiven. Are you hearing what I'm saying to you? He said, blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute sin. Blessed is the man. Blessed is that person. Uh, it says out of the New Living Translation, yes, what joy for those whose record the Lord has cleansed or has cleared of sin. God looked all over your life from the beginning to the end. He knew, he knew what you were going to do. He knew what sin you were going to do last night. He knows what you're going to do two years from now, three years from now, if the Lord tarries. He knows about all of that. And he has said, forgiven over your entire life. For us really, really, truthfully, for us to ask God to forgive us for sin means that Jesus would have to die again and shed his blood. Because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. So if we as born-again believers actually ask God, forgive me, for what, forgive me for my sin, you are actually saying, God, let Jesus shed his blood again for me. That's what we're actually saying. So the Lord does not tell us to ask him for something we already have. He tells us simply to confess our sins before him. He says, confess your sins. And as we confess our sins, the blood of Jesus is there to cleanse us. The blood of Jesus is in a cleansing, is in a cleansing office, so to speak now. Cleansing us from it. Now, why is he saying do that? If I'm already forgiven, why do I have to confess my sins? Because if you don't confess it, that sin will have power over you and it will rule over your life. You can be put right back into bondage from something that God has delivered you from. And when you confess that stuff out of you, the cleansing power of the blood of Jesus, the cleansing power of his blood that flows will, will wash you of that sin and unrighteousness. But you have already been forgiven. But you must confess, make confession, so that you may be cleansed of that 
Because if you don't, if you have unconfessed sin in your life, that thing will rule over your life. It will dominate you. Anybody know about sin dominating your life? Being out of control? It will. And you're the one that Jesus has already redeemed. How is it possible? It's possible if we don't confess it. We must confess our sin before the Lord. We must confess it. We are already forgiven, but we must confess it before God. Confession is the way that you pull the covers off and you shine the light of God's word on it. And the blood of Jesus comes in to heal you in that area. The blood flows in that area. Even uh, doctors and nurses will tell you when you, when you see it, when you cut yourself, what comes out? The blood flows. Why is the blood flow? It begins to heal immediately. The blood flow is beginning to heal immediately. Make a scab and all that good stuff. I don't know about all of it, but I've seen it happen on me before. And when we confess our sin before the Lord, the blood of Jesus flows to the area and the area begins to heal, begins to heal that area. He begins to heal that area because there's a reason why we still do that. Even though we've received Christ. Healing must invade that area. The blood must flow. When the blood flows, that means antibiotics are flowing to that area. Healing begins. And the more we confess that and keep that before the Lord, the more it heals, the more it heals. And after a while, you know, no problem. You have a little scar reminding you of where you have been, but the pain will be gone. You better tell people your testimony. I used to do this. I used to do that. But Jesus healed me. A scar is there then for glory, showing what Jesus has done to you in your life. I pray you've heard the word of God today. We're done in Jesus' mighty name. If you receive the word, give the Lord a mighty hand of praise. Well, those of you that are here tonight and those of you that are listening by way of CD, if you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of your life, we're going to say this short prayer together. And I pray that if you pray this prayer sincerely, the Lord will hear you and he will answer you. So if everybody here, would you, would you stand with us at this time? And we're going to invite our Savior in our hearts because he loves us. And he is not here to condemn us. He's not here to embarrass us. He loves you. He loves you. And he does not want distance to be between you. So would you repeat with me? Would you pray with me? And just say, Father, I come to you admitting that I have done wrong. I have sinned and I have fallen short of your glory. But I've heard that you're a loving God and that you will forgive me. So now I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I confess Jesus as my master my Lord, and as my Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Live in me. I accept you. And I thank you for accepting me. Now fill me with your precious spirit. I thank you, Father, for saving me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you would like to hear more about our ministry, just log on to KingdomRock.org. That's KingdomRock.org.